Hi, welcome back to my podcast, Long Time No Talk. I know most people who listen to this are my friends and family, but I thought I'd introduce myself for those of you who don't know me already. My name is Meg, I'm 22 years old, and I'm currently studying fashion communication at Toronto Metropolitan University. I've lived in Toronto for about four years now, but I'm originally from a small town in Minnesota. I'm going into my fifth and hopefully final year of school this year, so it's very exciting. Today's episode is going to be kind of more chatty and fun, kind of going to be talking about different things that have been happening in the industry. Starting off with, I know it's been Men's Fashion Week in Paris as well as Milan, so I'm kind of going to be talking about some shows that I've enjoyed and kind of some things that have been happening in the industry that I find interesting. The first thing I want to talk about is that Balenciaga show that I think came out, I think like a month ago at this point. Is anyone else sick of Balenciaga? Because I saw a tweet, or honestly I can't remember if it was a tweet or if it was a TikTok, and it was like, I would honestly pay money to never have to hear about Balenciaga ever again. And that's exactly how I feel right now about it. Okay, quick side note. If you're a Balenciaga fan, that's totally okay. I'm not trying to insult you. Also, I know that I said that I'm sick of hearing about Balenciaga, but I'm talking about it right now. So I know that's a bit hypocritical of me, but I feel like people are going to talk about it and I'm going to have to hear about it regardless. So here I am talking about it. Because also this is my podcast. I can talk about whatever I want to on here. Not to say that I think the designs are necessarily bad, because I think I think Demna's Balenciaga has a very specific aesthetic, and it's obviously very defined, and I think it is selling well, so I can't sit here and be like, oh my god, it's objectively terrible, because a lot of people love it, and a lot of people are buying it, so that says something. But part of me also thinks that at this point, they've been kind of just releasing the same collection over and over again for the past two years, maybe. There's nothing really new or interesting. And I guess if you know what works for you, that's fine. But I wanted to specifically talk about their last collection, which was the Resort 2023 collection. I was just honestly kind of bored. I think the accessories obviously make it seem like it's a lot more interesting than it maybe is. I think like the bodysuits and the leather face masks are cool, but the clothes themselves are just like a lot of plain black oversized trench coats, plain black fitted dresses, plain black suits for men and I feel like it's I don't know I'm just kind of bored by it. The collection ended off with showcasing Balenciaga's collaboration with Adidas and I've talked about this on here before but I think there's so many collabs in fashion now that I think they've kind of lost their original like luster or 
the level of excitement that they used to bring because they're sort of just like a dime a dozen now. But I think it will be really interesting to see if customers are really willing to pay for what ultimately is a basic Adidas tracksuit that now just has a Balenciaga logo on it. I think you expect from a collaboration, especially one with a higher-end designer brand, to be really bringing something else. And they did have like the triple S's with the Adidas stripe and a few bags with a little Adidas stripe on it. But I think a lot of the clothes were basically just like an Adidas logo with the word Balenciaga under it, which I don't know, I'm just, I'm just bored by this. But again, I don't know, Balenciaga seems to be doing really well sales-wise, so I think they're most likely gonna keep doing what they're doing. Obviously, their accessories are selling really well, as we've seen with the sort of re-emergence of the Balenciaga City Bag, as well as their new bag, which kind of takes inspiration from the City Bag. I think it's called Le Cargole or Le Cargole. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think it will be interesting to see with how trendy um, a lot of Balenciaga bags have become specifically that bag. Um, I feel like as we've seen the trend cycle become just more and more rapidly accelerating, a bag that might be the it bag one season, the next year might be completely considered off trend. I think it's so funny to see with like the little shoulder bags we were seeing that were so popular in summer of 2020, specifically the little Prada nylon bags, and then they were doing the re-edition, which was another bag that was sort of inspired by a vintage bag. It's funny to see how two years ago it was so popular and it was considered, oh, this is like the it bag of the season, it's the most popular bag. And now I've seen so many people be like, oh my gosh, I hate this bag. It's so chuggy. It's so overdone. I think it will be really interesting to see whether the Balenciaga Lake Cargoli bag will suffer the same fate. Which, it's so crazy to me that even now handbags are going in and out of style so quickly especially designer handbags, because you're obviously investing quite a bit of money when you buy a designer bag. I can't even imagine investing sometimes over $2,000 in a handbag, and then less than two years later, everyone's like, oh, actually, that's not cool anymore. This is what's cool now. Which I also think that you shouldn't care about trends, and you shouldn't care about like what other people are saying. I think everyone should wear what they want. But I also see how easily a lot of people are influenced by the trend cycle and are influenced by what other people think is cool or not cool. Okay, now I'm going to be talking a little bit about men's fashion week. I don't always pay a lot of attention to menswear. Because I feel like the shows are never really as interesting as the women's wear shows. Sorry. 
But I think something that's really cool that I've been noticing is how a lot of like women's styles are shown on the menswear runway and menswear pieces are shown on the women's wear runway. I don't really personally believe that clothing should have a gender and I'm always all about inclusivity in whatever way um, we can possibly have in the industry and I think it's really cool to see that sort of becoming more mainstream. Okay, the first show that I wanted to talk about is Givenchy, designed by Matthew Williams. Matthew Williams was appointed um, creative director of Givenchy after Claire White Keller left in 2020. There was a lot, a lot of logomania in this collection, but I guess that's kind of what Givenchy has been doing and kind of, I guess, what's been working for them. Although it may not exactly be my personal taste. I wouldn't say the collection is bad, but I don't really personally think it was anything special either. One thing that's crazy to me, though, is to think about how different Givenchy is now versus how it was when Alexander McQueen was the creative director. Matthew Williams also has his own line, Alix. I thought his collection for Alix was a little bit more interesting, although I don't think it was as good as some of the collections he's had for his own brand in the past. Sometimes I wonder if these designers who have creative director roles for sometimes two, sometimes even more fashion houses, do they sometimes get stretched too thin? I always sort of wonder, like, legitimately how are you designing multiple collections a year for multiple fashion houses? And I know that obviously every creative director has a team behind them and they're not necessarily sitting in the back um, making patterns for each individual look. But obviously the creative director does have some input over what the final collection looks like and I really wonder how much of an input they actually have in each piece if they're designing for two or more fashion houses simultaneously. I think another interesting example of this is Glenn Martin's. First of all, I just want to say no hatred towards him. I think he's amazingly talented and I think it's really interesting to see how popular he's become. But I think at the moment he's currently designing for Y Project Diesel and I think he's been guest designing for Jean-Paul Gaultier. Which is just absolutely insane to me that one designer is producing um, collections for three major fashion houses simultaneously. But I think also the funny thing is you can definitely see the crossover between the collections. I think if you look at the latest Y Project collection, which was spring 2023 menswear, you can definitely see the crossover between that collection and a lot of his diesel collections with sort of the use of denim and the Y2K inspiration. You can definitely see how they sort of connect. 
Another point I would sort of like to make on this topic is how a lot of times in the industry, these brands would rather hire someone who's already established or maybe already a big name to be their creative director. Even if they're already the creative director of one or two other fashion houses, they'd rather hire someone with a name that's already known than looking for maybe young talent or maybe promoting from within the brand. Obviously, as we all know, the fashion industry is all about nepotism and connections. But I think it would be really interesting to see if maybe these fashion houses looked into bringing in new talent rather than just hiring an already established designer who might bring them publicity. The next thing I want to talk about is Moa Lola's Paris Fashion Week premiere. If you don't already know who Mo Lola is, she's a Nigerian-born fashion designer who graduated from Central St. Martin's fashion program in 2017. After graduating from Central St. Martin's, Mo Lola showcased at London Fashion Week as part of Fashion East, and she was also the creative director of Yeezy Gap. Her Paris Fashion Week debut for her spring 2023 Ready to Wear collection also featured her upcoming collaboration with New Balance. I was really inspired to talk about this collection by a TikTok creator named Jane, so I'm just going to give her a little shout out. I'll leave her TikTok in the description so you all can go check it out. She gives a really good um, review on this collection. And her other TikToks are great as well. Now I guess I can talk about my thoughts on this collection. To be honest, I really thought I was kind of sick of the whole Y2K thing, but I think this collection really did change my mind on that. I really liked the use of mini skirts, but I think the way they were done was really unique and sort of different to what we've been seeing. I think there was that Miu Miu mini skirt that came out maybe last year and became so oversaturated that I think everyone got sick of that specific skirt so quickly. But I feel like all the mini skirts in this collection were really interesting. There was like a really cool leather one and then this blue one that had some really interesting cutouts and I also really liked the low-rise trousers they had going on. I think they were interesting and a lot of them had like a very unique shape and silhouette going on. The collection itself was just I think something really unique and if you look at her previous shows um, from London, you can tell that she has a very defined aesthetic, which I really like. You can definitely see all the influences from music and sort of like the punk influences in her designs. The collection was titled Burglar Wear and she said that it was inspired by all types of criminals from kidnappers to stockbrokers to the priesthood. There are a few looks where the model's hands are quite literally bound. Um, there's one where the model's hands are quite literally bound in front of her, almost like handcuffs. 
And then there's one where like the model's hands are sort of stuck kind of in this dress. I think the sort of like political infusion that she puts into her designs definitely reminds me very much of Alexander McQueen and I really enjoy that. I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but I feel like fashion has been a little boring recently and we see a lot of just the same things. And I really like how she used her collection to sort of reflect on her own experiences as well as like took inspiration from real world issues. I also just thought the clothes themselves were beautiful. You can tell the construction and the tailoring is really nice. I also appreciated how you can kind of tell that all of the looks are cohesive and sort of go together. But I think every look is definitely unique and brings something else to the collection. The next thing I wanted to talk about is the announcement that Chanel will be opening exclusive stores for their top customers. I was really inspired to talk about this because I was listening to the podcast The Debrief by The Business of Fashion. They take one of their articles every single week and sort of go more in depth on what the article was about. Their episode called Why Chanel's Opening Private Boutiques was great and everyone should go check it out. But to sum up that podcast, as well as some other articles I was reading about this, basically Chanel is going to open private boutiques for certain customers who spend a certain amount on Chanel per year. They haven't announced how much that amount would be, and I believe they are going to test these stores in certain Asian markets, and then if they're successful, possibly expand these stores worldwide. I believe the decision to do this is in response to a lot of high spending customers being frustrated about having to wait in line to get into the physical Chanel boutiques. Another interesting thing I found is that Chanel only has 250 stores worldwide where two of their top competitors, Louis Vuitton and Gucci, each have over 400 stores. I believe the goal of this is to maintain a certain level of exclusivity because obviously that's what makes a brand like Chanel be able to charge such high prices it's because you have this idea of exclusivity when you're buying the product. They want you to be like, oh, you have to travel to certain markets in order to buy a handbag or whatever you're buying so it sort of adds to that Chanel experience. Another interesting thing is that Chanel has had about 50% growth since 2020 and since the pandemic. I think some of that is definitely due to their price increases. I'm not 100% sure what the exact price of every handbag is but I'm sure if you follow the fashion industry at all, you would know that Chanel has had several price increases over the past two, three years. 
their most famous bag, which is the front flap hands bag, the biggest size, which before COVID in the beginning of 2020 was 7,000 US dollars, now is um, about 10,000 US dollars. I've heard a lot of people say that they're sort of going for that Hermes sort of pricing strategy, which I think is interesting because I feel like Chanel and Hermes are very different brands in my opinion. I think another interesting point is, is Chanel is trying to sort of become this hyper-exclusive brand and sort of cater to their highest spending um, customers. But I think an interesting point that was brought up in a lot of the articles that I read about this is that there's a possibility that they could alienate their current customer base. You know, not everyone can afford to be buying multiple Chanel bags every year or spending over 100k or 200k. I'm not sure exactly how much you'd have to spend to get into one of these exclusive boutiques. But maybe to their customers who might buy maybe one handbag a year, are they going to feel like they're shopping at a second class store? And is that going to make them want to shop somewhere else rather than shopping at Chanel? Another interesting thing is will customers be encouraged to shop more in order to get into these exclusive stores? And will these exclusive stores be offering special merchandise that only certain customers can access? I think I'm very interested to see where this will take Chanel and whether or not their customers will love this or whether or not they'll hate it. I think the decision to specifically open boutiques is interesting because a lot of stores like for example Hermes they have special areas where like they'll maybe take their clients who do spend a lot of money but it's more of a discreet way whereas Chanel is specifically coming out and saying we're opening these boutiques but not everyone's allowed in feel like that could either go over really well or really poorly. So I think it will be interesting to watch and see how this plays out. Something else that I find really interesting that I wanted to talk about is celebrity, beauty, and fashion brands. I feel like every single celebrity now has some sort of beauty or skincare line. I know people have been talking a lot about Hailey Bieber's new, I honestly can't remember if it's skincare or makeup brand, I think it's called Road. She made a really funny comment that I think she got a little bit of hate for, but she was basically saying how a lot of people don't even know that the brand The Row is Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's brand and she wants her brands to sort of be the same. I think every single time I hear of a celebrity launching a makeup or skincare brand, I'm like, do we even need more of these? I know 
Ariana Grande has a makeup brand, Rihanna, Selena Gomez, J-Lo, Lady Gaga, Millie Bobby Brown, Kylie Jenner, Kim Kardashian, just to name a few. I think also the funny thing is that celebrities kind of want to sell us on this idea of, oh, like, I have really perfect skin and my makeup looks great all the time. But they never want to discuss, like, the thousands of dollars they probably spend on expensive skincare and dermatology treatments and plastic surgery. And they have professional makeup artists that do their makeup all the time. But then they want to sort of sell us on this idea of, oh, buy my skincare or buy my makeup line and then you'll look exactly like me. I think maybe for some celebrities or some people, having a makeup line makes sense um, or having a fashion line makes sense. I really like how Selena Gomez, she made her packaging specifically for people with disabilities because she herself struggles from lupus. Or obviously you have like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen with The Row. I think that was a very obvious transition for them because they're seen as such like icons in the fashion industry. Hailey Bieber is also currently being sued by the fashion brand Road for basically stealing their name, which is giving really bad flashbacks to when Kim Kardashian tried to trademark the name Kimono, which is terrible for a multitude of reasons. I think the thing that really bothers me about a lot of these celebrity brands is that they're not really innovative, usually for the most part, and they're not really bringing anything to the market that wasn't already there. There are so many, for example, small businesses or, you know, people who are actually super passionate about either beauty or the fashion industry that I think deserve the publicity and praise that these celebrities are getting for most of the time just simply slapping their name on a beauty or fashion label and yeah I think the whole thing really sucks and all we're really doing is making these celebrities richer and richer I'm pretty sure Hailey Bieber is the niece of Alec Baldwin and she's also married to Justin Bieber who's a global superstar. So I'm pretty sure she has enough money and we don't need to give her any more of ours. Okay, that's all I have time for today. I would like to Thank everyone who took the time out of their day to listen to this episode, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day.